Hello, my name is Dixie Edmondson. I am in second period forensics, and this is my case study number four on Ted Kaczynski, um, the Unabomber. The brief description of the case, um, the Unabomber started mailing bombs to random targets using USPS throughout a span of 17 years, which started in 1978. Whenever he was arrested, he had launched 14 attacks, used 16 bombs, killed three people, and injured 23 others. Um, so Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was extremely, extremely intelligent. He had a really high IQ, um, and he finished high school a year early. He skipped his junior year. He was accepted into Harvard um, at, a, at the age of 16, graduating with a mathematics degree, then got a master's and doctorate's degree following that from Michigan University. At 25, he was the youngest professor to ever teach at the University of Florida at Berkeley. He taught two years and then mysteriously resigned um, without citing a reason. He then moved to an isolated cabin in Montana in the year of 1971 and grew completely self-sufficient um, until he began being disturbed by real estate developers we were trying to develop on his property, um, and him wanting to seek revenge on them is what started the Unabomber attacks. Um, so this is the whole timeline of all of his attacks. It's really long. Um, starting on, so on May 25th, 1978, he sent the first bomb to the Northwestern University to a Professor Buckley Christ Jr. Um, he was not injured, but a security guard was. Um, May 9th in 1979, a graduate student was injured um, again at Northwestern University. Um, then in November 15th, 1979, he attacked a plane from Chicago to the D.C. area. Um, his bomb detonated in the luggage compartment of the plane, and the entire plane um, started filling with smoke. No one died or was seriously injured, but um, they did suffer from smoke inhalation. Um, on June 10th, 1980, the University of Agriculture President Percy Woods um, was injured by a bomb that he had hidden in one of his books. Um, on October 8, 1981, he bombed the hallway of the University of Utah. Um, it was taken apart um, without any injuries. Then on May 5th, 1982, the Vanderbilt University Head of Computer Sciences was, um, was attacked. On July 2nd, 1982, the University of California at Berkeley, um, his attack injured a secretary. On May 15th, 1985, um, the University of California was bombed again. On June 13th, 
1985, he bombed the Boeing fabrication plant. Um, on November 15, 1985, the University of Michigan psychology professor was attacked. December 11th, 1985, he placed a bomb in the parking lot of a Sacramento computer store. Um, he killed the owner. On February 20th, 1987, he bombed a parking lot of a Salt Lake City computer store um, and injured the store owner's son. Not the same store owner. Um, on June 22nd, 1993, he, bore, he bombed the University of California at Berkeley Geneticist. Um, June 24th, 1993, he bombed a computer scientist from Yale, and a computer scientist ended up losing three fingers. Um, on December 19th, 1994, an advertising executive was killed in one of his bombs, 19, ooh, um, April 24th, 1995, he killed the president of California Forestry Association. So going through that timeline, it kind of makes you realize how big um, he reached across um, before he was arrested. Whenever he was arrested, he had performed 14 attacks, used 16 bombs, killed 3 people, and injured 23 others. Um, in the later days of his career, before he was arrested, um, he published the Industrial Society and Its Future um, essay about the world's manifestations. Then, after after they um, after multiple news sources published his paper, his brother. David Kaczynski turned in comparison letters that he had gotten from his older brother, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Um, and that's how they determined that it was him. So the legal outcome was that he was, um, he was found guilty of 10 counts of illegally transporting, milling, and using bombs, and 3 counts of murder. That turned into a sentencing of 8 life sentences and a supermax in Florence, Colorado, without the possibility of parole. So I think this case is really, really famous just because of the vast span that he was able to do. You know, he attacked people anywhere from California Forestry Association presidents to a bunch of professors, computer store owners, um, you know, it, there's not a rhyme or reason, and the whole time, you know, he was sending these false clues, and these riddles, and these papers, and everything else, and he was flaunting the fact that they couldn't find him, um, and it did, it took the police and the FBI 17 years to finally arrest him. You know, he had a huge career. And the whole time, he was rubbing it in the public space that 
they couldn't find him. That he felt invincible. Um, you know, people that have read the synopsis of his paper and everything else, they've all said that, of course, you know, there's no remorse for what he's done. Like, there's no, there's no way that anyone could ever explain that away. But they did say that the ideas proposed in his papers were brilliant. You know, and it makes sense. He was extremely, extremely intelligent. He just decided to use all of that intelligence that could have helped people to harm the public. And that's not good. Alright. Bye.